She's a super tramp. Super tramp. She's super trampy. She's super trampy. Hey, Prague fans, welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Prague Podcast Project. My name is Tony, and as always, I am joined by Craig and Lee. We are three friends and Prague aficionados here to talk about the history and the craft of progressive music while sprinkling in our always unvarnished opinions of the music and the personalities that make this genre so great. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. See what I did there? Nice. Well done. At UP3Show, or you can contact us via email at up3show at gmail.com. If you can't get enough of the show or want to make sure that your friends find us, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on our homepage at up3show.podbean.com or wherever it is that you get your podcast. This makes sure that you never miss an episode and help other prog fans find us. Awesome. It's our last recording of the year. Can you believe it? It's been a year, I know. Guy. I still can't Dude, believe we, it. I still can't believe we're in season two. I can't believe we're just following through. Yeah. We're finishing a thing. We're finishing a thing. So as we always like to do at the beginning of an episode, we like to talk about what we've been up to since we last talked. So Lee, I'll start with you. What have you been up to since last time? I took my studio apart so I could install an outboard sidecar and two monitors, but that's all done and everything's back together again. And since then, I've been remixing and remastering some songs for Spotify. Ooh. Oh, are these your old songs that you talked about? Yeah, these are songs I did on a solo album a few years ago. And my gear has been updated enough that I thought, well, they could stand a remix. So that's what I've been working on. Very cool. Is that why you tore apart the studio? or No, I was limping along with one big monitor, but it just doesn't cut it running DAW and virtual instruments, VSTs, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to build a new desktop and speaker monitor stands and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For my engineering day job, I have a triple monitor set up and it's really, really nice. Yeah, it makes a big difference. How about you, Craig? What have you been up to since last time? Well, let's see. In the piano world, I decided I was going to try and learn that peanut song that goes. Oh, yeah. Linus and Lucy. Yeah, that's exactly what it's called. And so I tried to figure it out by year and that crashed and burned. So I pluked down some money and bought sheet music. And I've been basically woodshedding it for about the past month. Oh, the entire song is 16 bars of that. And uh, the rest is just jazz jams. And I found a book that's got those 16 bars and the jams. So I've been, uh, nice. been working on that. It's fun. Johnny Mandel? Vince Giraldi. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. They were trying to figure out what music to put on Peanuts, and somebody heard Vince Giraldi on the radio in like San Francisco or something and said, oh man, this guy's perfect. Very cool. Here's a little trivia. He also did Christmas Time is Here, which Steve Vai covers, and it is an awesome cover. Oh, nice. That's really cool. And I'm turning 60 in January. Uh-oh. Uh, on purpose you gotta do something <laughs> there's only one way to stop it <laughs> yeah really you guys want to come to my house yeah definitely. yeah absolutely ha, done cool yeah we should do like a live show from craig's birthday party there you go uh, that'd be funny well you know it's all my friends know that we do a podcast but much like they know i have a day job and i have no idea what i do they know we have a podcast and i think like one person listens and that's one more person that's listening that's a good point so for me, what I've been up to is mostly preparing for vacation. Things have been so hectic for forever 
that I've basically just been stumbling forward and kind of like queuing up things that I want to do on vacation. I had a little MIDI controller keyboard that I bought that I was doing some piano lessons with. I want to try and do a little bit of that. Mess around on my solid state Mellotron probably a little bit. I've got a laundry list of projects, probably way too many than I can do on, on a holiday break. Very cool. So we also like to go around and talk about prog news. There's a new Pattern Seeking Animals album coming out in April called Only Passing Through. Carnival has released a new single called All It Takes. They are releasing a new live album called Decade of Sound Awake in December, and they have rescheduled their tour dates for 2022, which is good. New Flower Kings is going to come out in March, an album called By Royal Decree, and they've released a new single called The Great Pretender. Dream Theater has rescheduled their North American tour dates, so we will see them in February, and Archeco is still on the bill, which I'm super stoked about. Jethro Tull released a new single called Sad City Sisters, similar to Shoshona Sleeping, I thought. Hmm. Uh, Very folksy. And the album is called The Zealot Gene, out in 2022. Mm -hmm. And Troika has released a very short teaser. This is the new trio with Ross Jennings, Nick DiVirgilio, and Neil Morris. Clip called Julia. Very acoustic feel, almost like a Crosby, Stills, Nash. But it's very short, so hard to get a feel for what the album is yet. Big Big Train has canceled all of their March 2022 dates due to the death of David Logden. Very sorry to hear that. And Hagen and also Devin Townsend have both announced tour postponements for 2022. And that's COVID-related, so still more uncertainty on the COVID front. And that's what I know about. Um, the only thing I would add, and this is kind of more in, in my realm, I saw that Fish has released a trailer for his Vigil's End uh, live stream that he's going to do, his celebration of his end of his career. Yep. But there was a little Easter egg in the trailer for this video. I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, Fish, you're sounding really good. And then I saw John fucking Mitchell playing guitar on stage <laughs> John with F. Fish. Mitchell was playing for Fish? Nice. John F. Mitchell, he's got all the free time in the world to wow. be playing music with other people. He is everywhere, and it sounds amazing. And then the only other thing, and this is really cool for me, is I saw that at the Prognosis Fest, which is in Eindhoven, um, the Netherlands, Magic Pie has been added to the bill. And so this will be in April of 22. But listen to some of the other folks that are going to be on this bill. Catatonia, Focus, Enslaved, The Ocean Collective, Long Distance Calling, Cellar Darling, Wheel, and The Fierce and the Dead. Ocean Collective is going to be there too? And Enslaved. Oh, man, we've got to find a way to go to Eindhoven. Let's go. You can get a really cheap flight from Denver to Paris. I really want to see Catatonia live. I do, too. Wow. So, yeah, I'm holding my breath. We're still kind of stumbling through delays of tours. Right. But I'm hoping that we get back to tours. We've got Leprous tickets for here in Denver. Mm -hmm. Yes. Really looking forward to seeing them because I want to see the Ocean Collective, too. Yeah, hopefully we're kind of getting to a place where we can start seeing people. Yep. So, Craig, I think you've been paying attention to our listener base, and it turns out that, no surprise here, our listener base is highly creative in their own right. Who'd have thunk? Craig is going to start doing this kind of listener engagement stuff for us, and we were like, what is a good title? So, for listeners, you were hearing the first installment of Craig's Unheard Of. That's it. That's unheard of. So, one of the probably not surprising things that's happened with this podcast, especially since we started doing Instagram, is the number of musicians that have been reaching out to us. 
what they're doing is, you know, not just saying hi, they're sharing music with us. And what we're finding out is there's really a lot of incredible talent out there. So we wanted to come up with this segment and we gave it a funny name. What we're going to do every month is just pick a musician or a band from somewhere around the world and feature them. You know, obviously we have a ton to choose from because so many people are reaching out. I wanted to go with a band from literally on the other side of the world. This is a band called Pleximents, P-L-E-X-I-M-E-N-T-S, and they're from Western Siberia. The mastermind behind this band called Pleximents is a songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. His name is Evgen Sibylin. I've had a lot of fun texting back and forth with them. We're going to play a couple clips. I want to start out with one that's lifted right off of their YouTube page. Uh, you can just go up to YouTube and search for Pleximents. They got a channel. This is from one of their earlier singles, and it's a tune called Integrity. that guitar harmony mm-hmm. i'm a huge electric guitar fan but i should point out that there's a lot of acoustic guitar in there as well the guy plays a lot of flamenco guitar this next clip is from another single it's called mental prisoner awesome video great production values again you know what we're seeing from these bands just really is kind of blowing me away really nice a lot of orchestration pleximants tell you a little bit more about them they got their start in 2020 according to evgen his vision for pleximants is to combine a wide variety of genres into a spicy mix of heavy riffs catchy melodies epic symphonic backgrounds smooth atmospheric lines of piano and flamenco guitar and he absolutely does that yeah so this last track is from his debut album it's a concept album tony nice uh it was released this year april 9th Mostly Evgen. He's got several guest musicians on various tracks. And in fact, this first track, uh, if you look at the video, he's got a string section. This track is from The Maze Within and it's called Inner Voices. Take my money. Take my money. <laughs> I mean, it was like amazing. I was blown away. Uh, just wonderful stuff. I mean, he's shredding. He's playing slide guitar. There's a string section in the back. It's all in the video. I mean, it's really cool. Kind of has a movie soundtrack quality. Definitely. So anyway, a little bit more about Evgen, and we'll wrap this up. He's played with metal bands. He's played with jazz bands, symphony orchestras, classically trained. He's toured throughout Russia, the Balkans, parts of Europe. And you're hearing him here on the UP3 podcast. Check them out. Yeah. Evian Tsubulin. The band is called Pleximans. You can see them on Instagram, Facebook, Bandcamp, Spotify, YouTube, and VK. Yeah, it's all going to be in the show notes. Very cool. Thanks for sharing with us, Evgen. Yeah, thank uh, this you. This was Evgen. a lot of fun putting this together. And yeah, thanks, Evgen. 
tasty stuff, huh? That is really cool. Back to you, Tony. Before we get into the body of the show tonight, which is going to be a little different, Lee, what's one thing you've been listening to recently? Car Mechanic. It's K-A-R-M-A-K-A-N-I-C. They've been around for quite a while, but the album that I really like out of that band is Wheel of Life. So I've been listening to that quite a bit. What about you, Craig? I have been listening to a buttload of jazz like I always do. Is that an album? A buttload of jazz? <laughs> you know, I don't want to think of what the cover art looks like. That's, that's going to be my first album when I finally get good enough to play jazz. Buttload of jazz. Uh, aside from that, uh, I've been listening to all the stuff that people are sharing on Instagram, to tell you the truth. Really been having a great time with it. Nice. A lot of good stuff. Very cool. One of the things that I've been listening to recently is, man, I love me some old school Camelot. Mm. Really what I love there is Roy Kahn. I mean, mm. he's just an amazing singer. And I hope one day to have an opportunity on this show to really showcase that. Don't at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Karavik is great, but Roy Kahn is just at a different level, especially as a songwriter. All right. To get into the body of the show tonight, we were batting around ideas of what we want to do at the end of the year, and we've had this segment we've done before called Prog Not Prog, where it's not necessarily rope-a-dope with like whether or not something is prog or not. It's more, hey, what is your take on this? If you listen to this piece, do you think that this has prog qualities to it? And we thought we would do that with things that we consider to be somewhat prog adjacent. And then we'll just kind of listen to a little bit and then talk about it. So I think we're going to start with you tonight, Lee. Kick it off here. This is an obscure American band that does a lot of rock with some prog mixed into it. And it's a band that never really got a whole lot of traction called Crack the Sky. Love them. Yeah, I know you like them as much as I do. Their sound is largely rock, but they do drop into prog. And when they do, it's a very unusual kind of prog. So let me play a medley. We can rock some donuts or catch the late show. Because it's our night on the town. See how quickly it goes. And I knew you'd be the kind of girl I'd love to spend my time with. From the minute that we met, I think we knew. Love that band. Yep. I think this is one of the most underrated bands in all of music, actually. Mm-hmm. Tony, give me your reaction, and then I'm going to go back to Craig, because I know Craig's going to geek all out of them. <laughs> For me, that has a very, like, 70s David Bowie art rock sound. Okay. Hmm. And now I'm going to quote you guys from episode one. I got, like, a Gentle Giant vibe in there a little bit at the beginning. Oh, that blows me away. I think it was more just, like, being discombobulated a little bit, because sometimes Gentle Giant feels that way. Okay. But yeah, I was more feeling like art rock to me. I wonder if that's just because you're hearing clips. It may be, and that's a very good point. It's going to be all through this episode. We're going to have to have that problem. Yeah, unfortunately. I like it, but yeah, I want to hear you talk about it. Okay, but before I do, Craig, geek out a little bit. Good Lord, I love that band so much. Yeah. 
I may be on the fence on if they really are prog, but I don't care because I love them. Mm -hmm. I love their guitar playing. I love their song structure. I love their quirky lyrics. Yes. Um, I love their confidence. Expand on that. What do you mean by that? Maybe it's their production or something, but when they play, I just get a shut the hell up and listen to me vibe. I got that too, and I just didn't know how to put my finger on it until you just described it that way. Okay. I don't know if that's prog necessarily, but that's one of the things that's always struck me about that band. I got that same kind of vibe from Zappa. Of, mm-hmm. I'm just putting this shit out here, and you guys can take it or leave it, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, and I'm right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And I think, yeah, you're right. The Crack the Sky has that same kind of vibe. They go in and out of Prague, I think. Mm-hmm. And they definitely do some more just straight ahead rock. But the instrumentation and the voicing to me is just so interesting and unique. The bass player is often way up high on the neck. And even during choruses and vocals, he does that. The drummer does a lot of unusual snare stuff. Not just typical rock quarter note snare on two and four. He adds rolls and even paradiddles into choruses. And very active and intricate hi-hat work, too. And then you'll hear a lot of single guitar hits that pan left and right. Very unusual production. And that's why I think they go prog sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like this clip. It starts with a pretty standard chorus, but moves into what I was just describing. That's why when they drop into Prague, I just think it's really fascinating to listen to. They came out of West Virginia in 1970. Their debut album, Rolling Stone, labeled it the debut album of the year. They had a career going back and forth between rock and prog, doing a lot of backups. They backed up Rush and Genesis and a whole bunch of other bands. They struggled a lot with their early label, Life Song, and eventually one of the founders, John Palumbo, left the band. The rest of the band kept on, and the very next album they did was called Safety in Numbers. Awesome. Yeah, and I think Safety in Numbers is one of the best prog rock albums of all time. Then John Palumbo came back, and ever since then, they've stuck together as a band, and they're making a career out of it, but they've just never quite caught on. Mm-hmm. They never hit it big. They're the Southside Johnny of prog on the East Coast. We'll go on the cruise, and Craig and I will see like one or two guys with a Crack the Sky shirt. Crack the Sky shirt, and you just give them a thumbs up. You high-five them, and nobody else knows who the heck they are. <laughs> the discography is a little hard to nail down, but I believe this is right. 18 studio albums, four live albums, seven compilations, and they are still current. They released their new album, Tribes, in 2021. So huge body of work, great band, very undervalued in my opinion. So did you ever see them live? I have never seen them live. I go back to Baltimore to visit my mom and brother, Uh and I always look them up because they play a lot on the East Coast. Yeah. And I have just never been able to get a trip out to see my mom and see them at the same time, but I intend to. My daughter went to school in Baltimore, and the whole time I could never line up a trip. Yep. Having said that, I saw them when I was in high school. They opened up for Blue Oyster Cult at the Spectrum. Oh, cool. And I want to say it was like 78, maybe. Absolutely love Craig Sky. And quick shout out to my friend and former bass player, Rick Coster, over at the day. He turned me on to Crack the Sky. Yeah, Crack the Sky, awesome. Take it away, Tony. So when we decided we were going to do this, I decided to take a slightly different tactic. I wanted to play kind of Agent Propector a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's this movement happening in modern music of where I think they're bumping up against Prague, or at least Prague stylings without realizing it. 
but the industry as a whole won't call them prog because they were first labeled with something else. Hmm, interesting. The first group I want to talk about tonight is the solo project of Heidi Parveinen of Amberian Dawn. So Amberian Dawn, if you know metal and prog metal, you've heard of them before. She was a former vocalist. She left the band in 2012 and formed her own little solo group. And this is called Dark Sarah. Every album that she has done in Dark Sarah has been crowdfunded. Hmm. They have not had an, a label at all. It's been completely driven by the fans. And one of the things that I love is it's all a big concept of like three album arcs. So we're about to get the fifth album. So the second album out of the second arc. And she's had a fair amount of prog related guests. Tony Kako of Sonata Arctica. Charlotte Vessels of Delane. JP Lepaluoto of Northern Kings and Harmaja. Manuela Crawler of Zandria, Marco Hiatala of Nightwish. And these are all people who have come on and sung roles that are characters in this story. So it's a big cinematic story. And in fact, she calls their sound cinematic metal. Hmm. Like it was the soundtrack or the score for a movie. So it's got a bigger than life sound, uh, very orchestral and arranged. And I'm going to talk more about the albums um, after we listen to the samples. Why do I think it's Prague? I think it's the orchestral production. Heidi is actually a classically trained operatic singer. There is a lot of complexity in the song structure and arrangement. Everything is part of this piece of art that's going together. There is a focus on storytelling concept, having different singers sing to different parts, <clears throat> the astonishing. One of the other funny things is that because they're crowdfunded and driven by the fans, and everything is seen as an extension of the art of the story, she's able to do a lot of really cool crowdfunding perks. So you'll get like bracelets, storybooks, comic books, pins, different kinds of things that kind of take the story out of just what the narrative is on the album and bring it into the real world. Mm -hmm. It's this all-encompassing kind of experience. And I think that for me, that's part of what is progressive about this this is pushing boundaries like this is metal maybe i'd fall back on symphonic metal but mm -hmm. i actually personally think that symphonic metal is progressive metal mm -hmm. so, so i'm interested lee i'll start with you what is your take on what you heard here i like it i like her voice the bass guitar combination reminds me of something but now i can't think of what it is maybe caligula's horse i'm not 100 sure i would agree with the label symphonic metal and i would agree that it's prog Mm -hmm. Great orchestrations, a lot of ambition and storytelling. She's got a killer voice. Yeah, good metal roots. I like it. I agree. What about you, Craig? 
Yeah, absolutely. Killer voice. Since spending more time with you musically over the past couple of years, I'm liking metal. Uh-oh. <laughs> We've it, done it, Lee. It's finally happening. I dug that. I would listen to more of that. And uh, I was going to ask, when I talk about them, is it they or she? It is mostly a she. What's their pronoun, I guess, is my question. Um, their musical pronoun. Is it a band? Is it a person? It's mostly a person. It's Heidi. It's This is her brainchild. I think that her partner is taking on more of a role, but definitely like in the first album, it was her. Mm-hmm. They've had four albums out so far. And so the first album came out in 2012. It was called Behind the Black Veil. It kind of kicked off the story. Mm-hmm. And then the next album was The Puzzle and then The Golden Moth. Those kind of rounded out the first story of this character who started out as a woman who was basically heartbroken at the altar and gave in to all of her darkest desires of revenge and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then that character kind of gets transformed into a different world for the second arc. I, I can't shy away from it. I love a good concept album. It's like she never met me, but she went down and like checked the list of every single thing I like in music. It's got a good concept. It's orchestral. It's got a lot of characters on it. It's like everything I love. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all I've got to say on on that one, and I'll pass it to you, Craig. All right, so I'm going to go into the Wayback Machine and uh, talk about a band called Super Tramp. They had a lot of early top 40 hits. Their uh, real breakthrough hit was a tune called Bloody Well Right, that if you're 40 or older, you definitely heard it. But they also had a bunch of super proggy songs, too. Not that many, but some. Now, uh, Super Tramp primarily in the songwriting world, was a team of Davies and Hodgson. The impression I get from reading about them is there was always kind of that yin and yang pushing and against each other of one wanting to kind of go pop and one wanting to be sort of more progressive. And I think ultimately the poppy stuff sort of won. I found an article this rock journalist Mark Deming says, Supertramp followed an unusual path to commercial success in the 70s, fusing the stylistic ambition and instrumental dexterity of prog rock with the wit and tuneful melodies of British pop, and the results made them one of the most popular British acts of the 70s and 80s, topping the charts and filling arenas, and that is absolutely true. Their first album was a really bad impression of Gentle Giant. Okay. Maybe not bad, but just not very successful. It really wasn't until their fourth album, Crime of the Century, that they broke through again with Bloody Well Right. It was released in the U.S., and just, you know, every two hours you would hear that song on the radio. No. Every song on that album is great. I'm going to play a few clips. Hey, brother. Does that remind you of anybody? Yeah. That was uh, David Gilmore. On guest yeah, guitar. I got Pink Floyd all over that, man. That was the interesting. That, that was the wall. Yeah, that felt just like it. That's like a long ass 16 minute song from uh, an album called Brother Where Art Thou. Super proggy song, lots of movements, lots of different stuff. Let's do another one here.
And then there's uh, one last one. This uh, reminds me of the Crack the Sky song, uh, Night on the Town. Okay. Okay, now I want to cut to the end of this because it ends on a really nice project. He's got it. That was proggy. Yeah, definitely proggy. Yep. So kind of poppy, kind of proggy. I think they really ended up at the end of the day, you know, they got genesisized. I hate to say the pop sensibility kind of won out in the end. I kind of get the impression that from a songwriting perspective, the half of the songwriting team that liked to write the hits kind of won out. And in fact, one of the guys did leave towards the end of Super Tramp, and I think it was just the poppy guy left. I never really got into a lot of Super Tramp. I don't know why. Yeah. But I agree with your take. Prague with a lot of pop stuck in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was definitely a time and place thing. I had, even in the Quietest Moments album. Yeah. One of the things was that last song, Lover Boy, I was able to figure that out on the piano, and it's super easy and super fun and super catchy little ditty to play. So I would just sit and go, bring, 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 over and over. It drove my parents nuts. Well, I guess that's always a win. Yeah, it was totally a win. And a little trivia about even in the quietest moments. I don't know if you can see the album cover on my screen there. Mm-hmm. That album was recorded at the Caribou Recording Studio. Mm. That is the top of Eldora Mountain, and that is a piano that they lugged to the top of Eldora Mountain and took the picture. Which, by the way, is near us, listeners. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's kind of locals-centric ski resort. Yep. So anyway, Super Tramp, like I say, is just one of those bands that I always sort of thought of as proggy, but as time went on, they Mm -hmm. got a little more poppy, but they've still always had a place in my heart. I really, really like that band. Cool. I think it's Lee's turn. It's Lee. I'm going to continue that prog pop theme with a band called Saga. If you regularly attend prog shows, prog festivals, cruises, things like that, you will eventually see Saga on the bill. They started in Canada in the late 70s, but they are still releasing albums today, which that's a pretty impressive longevity there. They had one giant hit, I want to say it was the early 80s. That's about right. It was my mid-college days. With a song called On the Loose out of the album Worlds Apart. And I started listening to him at that album. And there are some moments of brilliance, but it just seemed like the sound of this band, they could never decide if they were pop or prog. Here's the medley I put together.
really good keyboardist, Jim Gilmore. Very intricate stuff, like the harpsichord in that first track. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like every time they came to a chorus, they wanted to go 4-4, hooky <laughs> chorus. And it just, yep. I was always like, really? You were kind of almost there. What, what gives? So I'm interested to hear your impressions. So Craig, any thoughts on Saga? Well, first of all, I think I share your opinion. I've always known they were there. I know that the hit from 82. Yeah. I know they've been on the boat, and I know a lot of people go nuts over them. Yeah, they have a real solid fan base. And they've never broken through into my world. Right. Now, those clips were great, but it was funny. One of them, it felt like I was listening to Billy Joel, Captain Jack. Oh, interesting. It just kind of had that sound, that flavor. And again, we're just listening to clips, so it's hard to say. Yeah. But I'm intrigued by, you know, the medley you put together. So that's that's pretty cool stuff. Okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I definitely... 22 studio albums, 9 live albums, 12 compilation albums. They've got a... Jesus, God. Huge discography. So, sorry, Tony, I cut you off. What were we going to say? No, I was going to say, like, I want to hear more. Because when you were playing that, your notes were covered up. Uh, and I immediately thought of Rush. And then hmm. I saw that Rush is in your notes. Yeah. I also got like moments where I was like, oh, that sounds like Journey, or that sounds like Asia, or like there was actually a couple of moments where I was like, that sounds like a little bit like the Scorpions. <laughs> and I agree with you, like it would come back to like more poppy sound, but I definitely want to learn more. Okay. Same. I don't disagree with your take on any of this. They always flowed between prog and pop. Wikipedia puts a label on them called Neo Prog. Which just makes me want to put my finger down my throat because I don't (laughs) have a clue what that means. But very, very stable band, Ian and Jim Crichton on bass and guitar, respectively. Jim Gilmore on keys. They've had a very stable lineup, except for the drummer, for 43 years. Jesus Christ. At one time, they were supposed to be sort of the major act out of Canada alongside Rush. And it just sort of never happened, you know. BTO beat them out. Uh, Oh, God. Are, are they Take still care of business? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Other than like the nostalgia things like a cruise, are they still like active? Very active, putting out new material. It's not like they're leaning on their history at all. I would really like to hear them live because I'm kind of intrigued about what they're all about. Yeah, I am too now. Yeah, same. Awesome. There you go. Saga. So, so I guess it's back to my turn. And um being the weird guy again, um, let me give you a little bit of intro here so the next band we're weirder <laughs> weird weirder weirder weirdest. okay sure if you know this band and you're a listener you'll probably argue with some part of what i'm about to say it's a band called einsters and the they are a german band that came out of germany in the early 80s when it was still a divided germany founded in west berlin the name is literally a play on words which will be a theme with this band so in german the word neubauten means new buildings uh, so meaning buildings that were constructed after the war oh wow and they were considered flimsier and not as good as the old buildings the altbelten and einstersende means collapsing so collapsing new buildings huh. and that kind of gives you this industrial connotation which follows with them if you have bands like nine inch nails stabbing westward gravity kills bands in that kind of vibe kmfdm even this band is kind of considered the progenitor of most of them They are highly known for performance art. Hmm. In fact, they will play traditional instruments, but they'll play power tools. They'll bang on scrap metal. They'll take lengths of pipe and drill holes in it and make some kind of long woodwind-esque kind of instrument. 
<laughs> so very much performance art. And I want to play a sample here, this medley, just to let you hear about it before we talk more about them. Is Newtons Gravitätigkeit natürliches Gesetz? Natürlich nicht. Eher ein Verbrechen, ich hab sie nicht bestellt. Gerade gegen seine Apfelfalle habe ich mich gewehrt. Sie wurde gegen meinen Willen trotz... I feel like if Blue Man Group had vocals, that's what they would sound like. <laughs> it just so happened that all the samples there were in German, but they have sung in other languages, definitely English. One of the things that really jumps out at me about this band is up until about the mid-90s, they were kind of an underground band. Like mm -hmm. if you were in the industrial scene, you only knew them through that. But then they did one album in the mid-90s on Trent Reznor's Nothing label. Oh, uh, cool. They did an album called End of Noi in 1996. And this is actually how I came to Noi Bowden was from this album. Like, I'm very big in the Nine Inch Nails. I hear that he's releasing this album, and they just blew my socks off. Um, many industrial bands cite them as an influence. There's a lot of crossover with other bands like KMFDM, Pig, obviously Nine Inch Nails. In fact, Raymond Watts, who has his own band, his kind of solo project called Pig, he was like a production tech for Einsteins and the Neubauten in the early 80s. And like that influence came over to KMFDM that way. So there's like a lot of mixing and mingling. Mm. In the late 90s, early 2000s, they did something that we take for granted now that I think is definitely part of why I consider them progressive. They didn't want to have a label. They wanted their fans to pay for the content they wanted. So they took their website, Neubauten.org, made it membership only, hmm. and people could pay for content and basically pay for the band to go and just jam for a while. And then those people that paid for that would then get exclusive content that literally to this day, as far as I know, with a couple of exceptions here and there on compilations, that music only exists for those people that supported them back in the early 2000s. That's, That's really cool what I think makes them progressive experimental instrumentation all over the place. Obviously you're even experimenting with what an instrument is unique song structures, lots of complex arrangements, multiple movements in a piece, very long song lengths. And really for me, I don't think you can talk about Neubauten without talking about the art aspect of it. They are definitely an art band. And just as a random bit of trivia, there's basically like the equivalent of home Depot in Germany. Mm-hmm. The lead singer of this band, his name is Blixa Bargelt, which is actually a play on the name of a German crayon brand. He did the like voiceover for these TV spots for this German equivalent of Home Depot. Like it's just like nice. random stuff. But um, what are your thoughts, Craig, um, when you heard all of this? 
Dude, I never thought German music would make me smile, but I smiled all through your clips. And same thing, it's as before, it makes me want to hear more of them. Mm -hmm. I love all of the uh, unconventional sounds, Mm -hmm. all the power tools and stuff banging against each other. So I liked it. I am looking forward to listening to more of them. Do they tour? So yes, they do still tour from time to time, usually in Europe. They're going to be at Lowe's near your house here in the next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Advertising. Uh, between two and four, teaching yeah. your kids how to make a planner. They're going to be sponsored by Ryobi. No, teaching your kid how to make a guitar <laughs> out of a piece of PVC in a cinder block. <laughs> what about you, Lee? Yeah, it made me smile. I don't consider that prop. Okay, so that's really great. Yeah, to me, that just is experimental. It would be interesting at one point to do a show about people like High Lung and bands like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't consider that Prague. It's interesting, and I like to watch it, and it, I want to hear more about the band, but it's not something I would come back to. Yeah, that, that's a totally fair assessment, and I, I, hadn't, I didn't think of High Lung when I was thinking about this, but... That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that, and, you know, I don't think we have to all agree that everything that we played tonight is Prague. Yeah. I don't personally think I would fully agree with that either. It's just a matter of I want to get our listeners to maybe yep. ban their bubble a little bit. Exactly. That's why there's three of us. All right, Craig, what do you got for us next? Yet another trip down memory lane. This is a band that everybody's probably heard of, Blue Oyster Cult. Much like all the bands I talk about, uh, I've always loved Blue Oyster Cult. Some of their stuff I believe is proggy, so I guess I'm going to make that argument right now. Throughout their career, they've been in and out of like writing science fiction kind of songs, yeah. uh, a lot of fantasy kind of songs. Their, their song structure was always very unconventional. A lot of their stuff doesn't even rhyme, even though the phrasing is great. Excellent musicians. When it was kind of the, you know, quote unquote, original lineup, they would all strap on a guitar and line up and just play like this five part harmony guitar jam that was well crafted and beautiful. Great musicianship and conventional song structure. The clips I'm going to play are from an album called Cultosaurus Erectus. first clip I'm going to play is from a song called Marshall Plan, and it's basically about a kid who decides he's going to become a rock musician and become great, and he's going to win Susie back. Boy, if I only had a good guitar and a big amp, boy, I wouldn't be somebody else taking my girl away. I know what I should do. I'll put an ad in the paper, get a few other guys who want to play as much as I do. Tell you, I ain't playing though, we surf music. I just think that's a great song. So that's interesting because that song sounded totally rock to me. I, I agree. Yeah, I think it was. It was fun. I was just trying to find the prog. Yeah, it was fun and it was interesting, but it was rock. All right, so let me try another one here. yeah i mean it's it's rock but you know, i'm gonna make the argument okay that if you have this checklist of things of what makes something prog i think it checks many of the boxes 
Like what? They're not singing about love. <laughs> they're, they're not they're not love songs. Unconventional song structure. Okay. Interesting stories. Varying time signatures. Yeah, I didn't hear any varying time signatures. Yeah, sure, it's four four most of the time. I just want people to know the Blue Oyster Cult's great. Okay. You know, that's how I felt even when we were just talking about Neubelt, and I just want people to know about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was really fun. I liked it. I could have heard either one of those tracks on like the Back to the Future soundtrack, and it would have been fine. <laughs> right. Is that insulting? I'm not. <laughs> the second track sounded like the beginning of a D&D campaign. Exactly. That's kind of my point is, you know, it's basically, it's a fantasy. It's mm-hmm. this sword goes from generation to generation. It picks its owner and makes its owner think that the owner is all powerful, but the sword is really in charge. So you really like the fantasy piece of it and the storytelling. Yeah. My perspective is I'd always felt that they were a little bit different from your average rock band. Mm-hmm. Buck Dharma, their guitar player, just amazing. You know, they've just always been a great band. Very classy. Cool. Okay. Little change of direction here. There is so much good music that comes out of Norway, Sweden, Denmark. It's just amazing. But we're going to focus on one band right now. It's a band called ACT out of Sweden. I've talked about them before a little bit. I think they're definitely prog. I'll get your guys' take on this. But I think it's a really unusual kind of prog. And that's the part I really want to pick your brain about here is where would you kind of categorize this? So with that tee up, here's the composite. piece is one of the most beautifully written pieces of music there is yes it's called truly gifted man it reminds me of something opinions that's Prague. that's Prague. i love that oh my god yeah did you ever hear of a band called sparks yes reminded me of sparks meets jellyfish interesting a weird combination of poppy and Prague. you know 
It's not poppy and prog in a saga way, though. No. Mm. It stays proggy. Yeah. I almost want to call this theatrical prog. I don't want to call it art rock. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. Because it really feels like a theater presentation to me. You know, you can hear the words and what they're singing about, and they're describing actions, and that's kind of what theater music does. Yeah. Everyone in this band is so good at their instrument. Mm -hmm. They've only done five studio albums. One of them is an album called Circus Pandemonium, and it's a concept album about circus filled with creatures that aren't human, but they look human. But they're currently in the middle of doing a four-act set of EPs, mm-hmm. and they've only done the first two called Rebirth and Heatwave, and they're going to do two more. And that's a whole series on loss and family. Yeah. Everything this band does, I absolutely love. But one of the reasons I wanted it here was just to get their sound out a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, man, there was so much in that. I got moments of it sounding like Arion. I got moments of it mm-hmm. sounding like Nightwish. I got moments of it sounding like Spyrogyra and the Rippingtons. Yeah. I got moments of like it sounding like Tool that was very bass forward. That was stunning. That was good stuff. Good. Thanks. So, like I've done, I'm going to come out of left field with something here. <laughs> Go for it. I am going to propose this band called Pigface. I mentioned them earlier. Yes. Um, Pigface is an industrial group founded by Martin Atkins, who some people may know from Public Image Limited, and Bill Rieflin. He's a journeyman musician, but our audience would know him from his time with King Crimson. They formed the band in 1990. There's heavy crossover with a lot of other industrial bands like Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, Skinny Puppy, KMFDM. One of the key things about Pigface is that anything goes. Nothing is wrong. It is the supreme version of yes and. I was going to say, it's like improv. Some of the people that have at one time or another collaborated with Pigface have been Trent Reznor, Anesh of KMFDM, Danny Carey of Tool, Flea from the Chili Peppers, FM Einheit from Einstein's and the Neubauten, Jeff Scheel from Gravity Kills, Jason Charles Miller from Godhead. They ha- are notorious for their stage shows where at any point in time, they may have 20 people on stage all kind of doing a random thing. Songs are kind of a framework, and then everyone just kind of plays to it. So I'm going to let you guys listen to a quick sample. Here you go. This is some sample of Pigface. So initial thought. I heard Tool sometimes. I actually heard a little bit of Cure sometimes. 
B-52s. It was just kind of all over the place. But I liked that. I liked it. It was very experimental and very different and really held my interest. So, yeah. What about you, Craig? Um, yeah, it held my interest. Unlike the Blue Man group that you played earlier, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to hear more. No, that's fine. If I hear that Pig Face is going to be in town or they're doing a show, I drop everything and I go. And that's how their fan base is. Because they don't do a lot, but when they do something, everyone drops everything and goes. And again, I'm not trying to say Prague in the classical sense of like King Crimson or Gentle Giant or yes. I'm saying our strict definition of you're progressing against something and it's that no rules attitude that they have. of Let's just yes and the hell out of this and Mm -hmm. see where the song goes. I really love that. And that's the progressive part of it for me. Cool. That's cool. Craig, I think you're going to bring us home on the home stretch here. Now that I'm looking back on my choices, I was looking at bands or artists that I sort of want to convince myself that they're prog, even though they're turning out to maybe not. And the last one I want to do is David Bowie. Mm-hmm. And we've had this discussion about art rock and theatrical rock and pop and top 40 and all that. I kind of went through Bowie's catalog and tried to find a couple of tunes that were prog and i landed on the album heroes okay which was one of the albums that bowie recorded in germany he recorded a a trio of albums in germany and they did a lot of experimentation in the studio and brian eno was involved with that eno is a kind of a synthesizer producer he was on you know some peter gabriel albums he was Mm -hmm. on lamb lies down and him and fripp collaborated on stuff There's a couple of tunes that are on Heroes that it turns out they were basically just conceived of from them farting around in the studio. So I'll play a couple clips of them. Okay, get the idea of that one. Here's another mm-hmm. one, again, conceived of in the studio, all instrumental. David Bowie doing Prague. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely consider Bowie an auteur. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I consider those two songs Prague, though. That, to me, just sounded kind of like airy and experimental. It did sound like Brian Eno. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. When I think of Bowie and try to think of Prague, I think more like Spiders from Mars. And Sure. So if I wouldn't have said that was David Bowie and just said, hey, check this out, would you have thought otherwise with, that it was Prague or not Prague? No, no. 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 Okay. I might have even gone in and thought that was like Daft Punk or something. That's a good point. And is that Electronica? I think so. I don't think it takes away from any of the quality of it, but it's not prog. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I liked about these two songs is, like I say, it was really conceived of in the studio, similar a little bit maybe to Pig Face, where they're like, 
all right, let's just turn on the tape recorders and start doing stuff and go back and do some overdubs and come up with stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that Bowie ever went in that direction. I always thought he was very much a singer songwriter mm-hmm. and that was the studio experience. So probably one of the things I wanted to share mostly in this little bit and talking about Bowie was his willingness to do that experimenting in the studio. Cause I think that's a side of him that I wasn't aware of that that took place. Hey, that's all I have for uh, David Bowie. Thank you guys so much. This is great. We did want to do a little bit of retrospective given that it's the end of the year and look back a little bit on maybe a couple of things that went well or we enjoyed out of this year and then some stuff that we're looking forward to in 22. So I guess I'll start with you, Lee. Do a little bit of look back and a little bit of look forward. Yeah, 2021. Mostly just glad it wasn't 2020 any longer. (laughs) Feels like we were getting close to some normalcy after COVID, but now this Omicron thing, I don't know. Who knows? My favorite prog rock release of the year was Frost Day and Age. Mm. What an awesome album. And I was going to say LTE3 for prog metal, but instead I'm going to say Archeco. I am really enjoying everything that band does and really looking forward to seeing them live. Wow. Yep. What about you, Craig? I echo what Lee said. I'm glad that we're at least a little bit out of the uh, thick of things. I'm glad that we're able to start seeing some live music. Yes. I've been uh, seeing lots of uh, shows at little venues here in Denver and enjoying that. Mm -hmm. Musically, Frost, Day and Age, what an amazing album. That's just timeless. I still go back and listen to it, and it's like, who are these people? How do they come up with that? It's just really just amazing. Yeah, I know. The other thing is from our progressive jazz episode, I kind of discovered Miles Davis. Never had the level of appreciation for him that I do now. I've just really been enjoying that. Cool. You know, as I look back on 21, I'm going to specifically point at Leprous as a band that did this, but I think other bands did this too. Is Leprous did a tremendous number of live streams of like playing albums from beginning to end or sit in while they write a new song. They just came up with a lot of innovative ways to connect with fandom, which I think is really important for us prog fans in the States, because as we've talked about and griped about here and there, it's really hard for foreign prog artists to come to the States and tour. And so this was a relatively cheap way for the for lepers to stay connected to their american fans and their fans all around the world but to, to stay relevant in that way yep. you know what i'm really looking forward to the new star one record that i'm about to pre-order <laughs> tomorrow because hopefully it will make up for transitus and then as you guys have already alluded to i'm really hoping we get back to tours and live shows i mean i just want to see these bands live so yes As Craig did at the beginning of the show, we've been getting some feedback from listeners, and we got some feedback from a listener that was like, hey, can you guys do some production credits? We're all kind of jack of all trades around here. I won't necessarily hit everything that everyone does. So I did want to give a special shout out to Craig's daughter, Sasha Abramson, as our social media consultant. Thank you, Sasha. (laughs) Thank you, Sasha. Given us a tremendous amount of ideas that's helped promote the show in all of our various social media realms. From a production side, the way that things work here is we kind of record in multiple parts typically, and we all do different things. Big shout out to Lee, who's doing all of our edits and all of our mix, and make sure that there is a product to post at the end of the month 
for myself. I do various social media stuff on Twitter, but I also do uh, the show notes at the end of the month and obviously do a little bit of moderating during the show. And then Craig has been really knocking it out like gangbusters here with like all these really cool little graphics and social media engagement things, really trying to connect us to the listenership. That's kind of how we do things here at the UP3 show. Anything you guys want to add? No, that's good. No, nice. I think you got it. Awesome. So as we exit, don't forget, folks, that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at UP3Show, or you can contact us via email at UP3Show at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you guys what kind of topics you'd like for us to cover, any kind of feedback you have. If you are a musician or a creator in your own right, send us links to your stuff. We'd love to promo it here on the show. If you want to show us support, it's easy. You can do so non-financially by subscribing on Podbean at up3show.podbean.com or wherever it is that you get your podcast. You can also now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash up3show. But just listening is great. When you listen to this, it'll be 22. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, right. everyone. <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hey, folks. Tony here. If you made it this far, congratulations. You're getting everything you can out of this podcast episode. As a reminder, we're a podcast about commentary and opinion on prog music. We use samples of music to make our point and to teach others. We make no claim of copyright to any of the music featured in our samples and strongly recommend that you support the artists we talk about by buying their albums and merchandise or seeing them live. If you're an artist and you'd like for us to change how we've used your content on the show, please contact us directly so that we can work together.